Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Nothing that we have is worthy in the eyes of God, but it's only what Christ has done for us that clothes us. Uh, his righteousness is upon us. And we see that at, at Holy Baptism, we use that language a lot, being clothed uh, in Christ's righteousness through the waters of Holy Baptism. Five hundred years ago, Martin Luther would gather around the kitchen table with friends and theologians to talk about the Bible, theology, current events, and anything else. These discussions were called table talks. No matter what the question, the conversations always centered around Jesus and his promise of the forgiveness of sins. Table Talk Radio takes up the conversation, bringing the promise of the gospel to our lives. Stay tuned for Table Talk Radio. Welcome to another hour of your favorite Lutheran theological game show, uh, Table Talk Radio. I'm Evan Gigline. Hey, Pastor Wolf Miller. Good morning, Evan. Hey, I, I had an epiphany yesterday. Yeah? <laughs> was, was this when you were studying for your personality test? <laughs> yeah. Yes, actually. <laughs> well, for those that- Evan was cramming for the personality test. He was really hoping he wouldn't fail that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I almost did, too. Um, but we needed to play uh, help a seminarian with his homework in preparation for that test. <laughs> well, anyway, for those that don't know, I think it was about Christmas last year, I emailed you initially to, to see if you want to do a radio show. But the format, the unique sound of Table Talk Radio has really been the ingenuity of, of Pastor Brian Wolfmiller. I get people to tell me all the time, that, oh, it's such a unique idea for, for radio, and I agree it is. But yesterday, you and I were talking on the phone, and, and we figured out what your personality type was, and it has explained a lot for me uh, of why Table Talk Radio is the way it is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here it is. All right. So what did we decide you were? You were a, a ENTP. And this is what it yeah, says something. for you. Quick, ingenuitous, stimulating, alert, and outspoken Resourceful in solving new and challenging problems, adept at at um, generating conceptual possibilities, and then analyzing this, uh, then them strategically. Good at reading other people, bored by routine, will seldom do the same <laughs> thing the same way. Yeah, that's true. Apt to turn one new interest after another. So that explains the fast-paced uh, theme of Table Talk Radio. It's to make sure Brian Wolfmiller doesn't get bored. I see. That's true. You know how I don't like to repeat myself so much that about a year ago, my whole computer was zapped. Everything I'd ever written uh, for all through seminary, even my undergrad years, and all of this was on there, and it just got poof, gone, done. Uh, and I was like, I didn't care because I never wanted to look at that stuff again <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Good. Well, uh, in light of that, we have a, a great Table Talk radio show in store for you today. We're playing Which Century? Uh, these are all games we haven't played for a while. Which century, contemporary or traditional, text message theology is the lineup. But first, we're playing the usual law and or gospel. That's right. Law so. and or gospel. Points are on the line. Everybody's favorite game, including myself. We take a text or a word or an audio clip or uh, something or other like this, and we simply ask the question, is it law or gospel or both? That's right. Uh, so the law is you want you did such a beautiful job explaining law and gospel last time, Evan. I'd like to hear that again. 
Okay, the 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 law. Here's the. This is how the the rules go to the game. If it's law, um, then it'll be evident because the a passage or the quote that we read will be telling you to to do something. As simple as that. The law is what we are commanded to do. So if it's something that we're doing, then it is law. Now the result of that then is it is not that it shows us our righteousness because there is no righteousness by our works or our doing. Uh, we are saved by grace alone. So uh, if it's something that we're doing, then it shows us our condemnation, that we don't, in fact, live up to the law. We don't do what God expects, expects us to do. Uh, then the gospel is what shows us our righteousness. Um, and that is what, what Christ does essentially for us. So if, it's the, if the passage is talking about what Christ is doing, or if it talks about giving us righteousness, uh, salvation, then that is gospel because it's not what we're doing, but uh, what God has done for us. How's that? Sounds great. Okay. What do you have? You go first. All right. I'll give it to you. Now, this is today's texts are brought to you by the Apostle John. Uh, In fact, I have. Is he um, sponsoring this segment? (laughs) (laughs) Brought to you by. (laughs) That's right. Chapter 1 of 1 John. And I have a number of verses. I have, uh, let me see here, uh, five verses here. Uh, I'll give you uh, two and then one and then two at the end. So, uh, so 1 John 1 6 and 7 says this. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay, that is both law and gospel. The first part being law, uh, that, that it's true. You know, We can't uh, uh, read that first part again, would you? Sure, if we, have, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Right, so uh, uh, when we're uh, walking in darkness, that'd be, I don't know, how would you, how would you, uh, how would you explain that, Pastor Wolfmiller? Well, it's, it's, uh, John is contrasting light and dark here, and the darkness is the darkness of our sinful flesh, the lie that clings to humanity, uh, that we can be good enough or, or that we can survive apart from God, perhaps, is what it is. Uh, that we don't uh, need the forgiveness of sins. That's the big lie that uh, that the darkness has. And if we walk in that darkness, then uh, then we uh, don't have fellowship with God or with his people. We lie and we do not practice the truth, it says. So you're right, that's certainly law. And in fact, uh, uh, the severest law, it condemns humanity, which stands on its own and tries to stand on its own two feet. But then you are also right, Evan, in this next part. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of, Je- of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So that to be in the light is to come into the exposure of God's word, uh, both his law and his gospel, to confess our sins, and then to have our sins cleansed by the blood of Jesus, which is the only thing that cleanses us from sin. So you are 100% right about that, and you, therefore, have 200 points to start off the show here. How about that? How I like about? that. <clears throat> and I didn't even have to explain it. I made you do it. So, hey. <laughs> okay, here's your passage, then. Uh, it comes from Matthew chapter 26. Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had, given, when he had taken a cup and giveth thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my body of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you. Those are beautiful words. Those are uh, the words of our Lord when he institutes uh, his supper, the, the Lord's Supper. Uh, and so Jesus speaks these words on the night in which he was uh, betrayed, uh, what we call Monday Thursday or Holy Thursday. 
Uh, and it's immediately after these words that he goes into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray and is arrested, has his overnight trials, and then the next day is crucified. Uh, so this is an incredible sort of thing. Uh, it's it's to take note, by the way, of the fact that it's the night before Jesus dies. That's where we understand that the word is to be uh, translated a testament, not covenant, uh, because Jesus is giving us his last, uh, his last will and testament there. He's giving us uh, what he wants to hand over on his death. What's the and Greek because there? The, what's that? What's the Greek word there? Uh... What's the, whatever the Greek word for testament is? <laughs> <You know. laughs> Sorry, uh, I know that. what it is. It, uh, dia, uh, oh come on, that's okay. Uh, Diotheke, I believe. Diotheke, which can be translated both covenant or testament, the same as the Hebrew word berith. It can go both covenant or testament. It just depends on the context of it. But the, you know, it's really interesting here that the old early Lutherans uh, really emphasize the fact that this was a testament because when you're writing a testament, you're giving a legal document, so you're not using uh, any sort of word flourish or um, uh, any sort of fancy language or symbolism, what you're doing is you're you're speaking plainly, legal language. So when Jesus says, "This is my body," he's not uh, he's not uh, giving us a symbol or something like that. He's he's really giving us his body. And because these words stand as a testament to be handed over to the in, to the inheritors of the testament upon the death of the testator, these words come to us as pure gift. Uh, especially as we see these words uh, given for you for the forgiveness or for the remission of sins. We realize that what Jesus is giving us in his, in his meal, in the Lord's Supper, is the, is the purest gift of the gospel. So gospel is the answer to that. That is correct. So you also get hey! 200 points. And, yeah, that's um, right. That leaves us with about a yeah. minute and a half of this segment. Well, let's talk about this some more because these are beautiful words. Now, you were perhaps trying to f- trick me up here, uh, Radio Clown <laughs> Gagline, uh, because Jesus does say, take and eat uh, and take and drink. So you say, hey, there's a command. There's something to do. Uh, but the picture we always have when the, when the gospel commands something, like when the gospel commands us to believe or to take and eat or to be baptized, this sort of thing, when the gospel comes with commands, we realize that, uh, that these things are received by faith. Uh, that the gifts that are given are, are the promise of the gospel, and so it's faith that receives them. And just as a, just as if you, you find a man who's just famished, who's absolutely about to starve to death, and you say, hey, uh, drink this water, eat this uh, energy bar or whatever, this Pop-Tart, he's not going to say, oh, how mean of you to command me to do uh, such a thing. I, uh, no, no, it comes as pure gift. And so it is with the Lord's word, take and eat and take and drink. It comes to us who are who are poor, who are famished in our sinfulness. It comes to us as the most beautiful gift. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and the the gift that we receive here in this case, uh, the very body and blood of our of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's that's essentially what we uh, surround our our Sunday mornings around is that very gift of both word and sacrament. So w- on Sunday morning when we go to church. We're not going. Uh, oftentimes you hear it to, to glorify God. You know, maybe maybe that's there, but uh, foremost uh, and and primarily we're there to receive His gifts because His gifts uh, bestow to us life, salvation, and forgiveness. That's, that's it. That's right. That's it. We hey, have. That's it. That's all for for now. But we can continue playing long and gospel on the other side of this break. Do you want want to do that? Good. Yeah, I yeah, want, I want more points, so let's do it. Uh, <laughs> we'll be right back. Right after the commercial break, uh, stay tuned for more Table Talk Radio.
Table Talk Radio is listener supported. If you would like to help with the financial needs of Table Talk Radio, just click the donate button on our website, tabletalkradio.org, or mail us at P.O. Box 223, Yuma, Colorado, 80759. Welcome back for more Table Talk Radio in the middle of the game, law and or gospel. Um, I think you know, Evan, we were talking about this personality type business, and yes. I, I had to do that too at the seminary, uh, go and get my personality type. And I remember I was I was running behind for the appointment, and I went into the office like this, and uh, and I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm uh, delinquent here. My personality <laughs> type is L-A-T-E. And and the guy looked at me and he said, no, no, L.A., it would be uh, E. Didn't get that. Then we had this form that says, how is your health? Oh, this is a, what a mess this was. How is your health? And I had written on there, Herculean. And so the guy looked at me and he says, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I'm sorry, but I've I've never heard of this condition before. (laughs) Could you tell me what's going on? Herculean, I said. <laughs> it's amazing yeah, it's not a, everyone gets your humor. That's hard to believe. Uh, I, I, it wasn't the. It was kind of the wrong two feet to start off the interview on. Oh boy. Uh, speaking of people not getting your humor, our forum at tabletalkradio.org, There's a forum there. Uh, I think our our show number eighteen people are voting on what jokes are funny of Pastor Wolf. You might want to check it out. Tabletalkradio.org. I know we have a, a voters' assembly determining the humor of the show. I'm against that. When it comes to humor, when it comes to humor, I'm I, I go uh, fall in line with Ooh, And what was his humor? Hypo Euro. <laughs> no, no, he didn't have voters' assemblies. Oh, oh I thought you okay. Gotcha. Uh-huh. I'm with you. <laughs> That's not funny either. If, yeah, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving along. I want more points, so give me another verse. All right, for all right. First John gospel. one eight. First John one eight. And you who are playing along at home, keeping track, uh, the score is two hundred two hundred. Uh, and here it is for you as well as Evan. This verse: If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and say that is law. Because it is saying, of course, that the truth is not in us. Um, could there be a gospel take to this, do you think, Pastor Wolf Mueller? I don't know. Try. I didn't see it. Okay. Um, well, I guess that's not in the verse explicitly, but but the inverse, because the next verse, would, would you mind reading the next verse? That's your next question, but I'll give it to you now. Okay. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, it's hard to divorce these two verses from each other. That's the problem um, because they, they kind of go together. So that's why I, I think that you're right that the first verse is law, um, but by say, by confessing such, it just uh, seems the verse that comes after it should be confessed, and that is pure gospel. Yeah, that's right. So you have both here. You see, it, what it's doing, this law is condemning man's pride. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say that we are ever above the need for Jesus and his cross and his mercy, if we ever want to deal with God 
uh, on the terms of the law and on the terms of our own self-worth and all of this sort of stuff, then, then we are self-deceived and we make God into a liar because God has told us about our sinfulness, you see. So this, this is a stunning law, which is, which is laying low the pride of man, this first verse. But you're right about the second. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that the, Lord, uh, so that the way that the Lord wants to deal with sin is not by not having it, but rather by forgiving it. And, and that's his solution to the problem of our sin. Yeah, very good. Yeah. So do I get 400 points then? Uh, no, in fact, you only get 200, where there was 400 to have because you condensed them into one. I'm giving you only 200. <laughs> so what are we going to do for next round? Don't worry. All right. I got you covered. Okay, well, I've got my next one for you here. And this comes from the book of Revelation, chapter 17. It says this. These will wage war against the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, because he is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with him are called the chosen and faithful. And they are called the chosen and faithful. The chosen and the full of faith. This is tough to sort out uh, the visions of the uh, of the Revelation um, law and or gospel, because, well, we see both really at work. Whenever we see Jesus pictured as the Lamb, that, of course, is a picture of the gospel because it's the lamb who's the sacrifice for sin. It's the lamb who was slain. It's the lamb who bled his blood all over uh, sinners to cleanse them, like John says, from his sin. Uh, so we see the picture of the lamb. We also see him now coming against his enemies, which you might see, I mean, see that as severe law. But, but this picture of heavenly war where the saints fight with the lamb and overcome the beast and the prostitute and the, and the dragon and all of this, this is really, in fact, the most wonderful gospel because the world and the flesh and the devil, the enemies of the church, are overcome by Jesus, by, the, by his blood and by the word of his testimony. And so, uh, especially for those who are in the middle of persecution and are, are receiving this book of the revelation of Jesus— they they understand that even though it looks like the the devil is winning the day, that Jesus and us with Jesus will will rule and reign and will conquer all of the enemies of the church. So I'm going to say that this vision is a vision of the gospel. I agree, and that uh, ties up the score four hundred to four hundred. All right, last one for you. This is the last cha- of, uh, verse of this John chapter one, verse ten. If we say we have not sinned. We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Okay, this this is law, and uh, this is this is um, a very harsh law because uh, God says that we are sinful. That's what we've been talking about. That's what the law is. So if then we take that word of law that God gives us, uh, and then we we deny it. We say no, uh, we're not sinful. Then we are in fact saying that God is a liar because. He said that we are sinful, and uh, that is that is harsh law. Am I right? You are right, Evan. Law it is, and it's true though that I, it's a stunning sort of thing that there's all these different theologies that that want to come with man's righteousness and with man's ability to do good and to choose the right and to cooperate with God. There's all of these religions that then are therefore doing exactly what this verse is doing is saying we have no sin and if we do that we deceive ourselves and we make god into a liar 
uh, because um, because we are sinners. So our theology has to start with that fact, the fact of original sin. Uh, and if we don't start right there, then everything else falls apart. Yeah, and I think how, what they might say to that, say, look, you know, that verse that's talking about before conversion, and then after conversion, uh, you're, you know, without sin, all this stuff. But look, uh, we have in the Christian life that we continue to struggle with sin. We're we're in the flesh. But the fact is, when when uh, we've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit through the waters of holy baptism, we are then uh, in in battle with this with this old Adam, and so uh, before before the conversion to Christianity, you might say, the, the flesh just, just willingly partook of, of these these sinful uh, desires. But now with the new Adam, there, there's, a, there's a battle going on. Um, but I guess maybe the, the thing to reiterate here is that the, the penalty for, for sin is death. And that penalty was, was paid upon the cross uh, of Jesus, that he took on that, that penalty for us. Uh, so on the last day, we rise with him uh, it, with... Uh, with new bodies that are uh, free from all sin. Right. Well, nicely said, seminarian gig line. Extra points for that? Uh, No. 600 for you is your total now. Extra points. You always want the bonus round. Okay, well, um, this last one's worth 100 points for you. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Grading on a curve. (laughs) All right, I'm ready. I'll answer it twice. Oh, this is a good one. Here it is. Luke chapter 1. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of God of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Well, that's a beautiful promise of the birth of Jesus. Uh, And it's pure gospel. I mean, there's no, I mean, Mary certainly is not cooperating in this business. Joseph certainly isn't uh, involved in it at all. It comes as a gift of God, the, the, his son in the flesh, to fulfill all the promises that he made, to sit on David's throne, to be a king, uh, and to rule in his church, and all of these things. Perhaps the most wonderful gospel in the whole verse is just the name Jesus which means, as we have in Matthew chapter 1, the Lord shall save his people from their sins. And so even the very name of our Lord tells us exactly what he wants to do with us. He wants to save and rescue and deliver us from our sins. So that verse, uh, Evan, is a beautiful promise of the gospel. That's right. And I think that successfully completes our game of law and our gospel. Time hey. to score 600 to 600. But don't go away. After this break, we'll be playing Witch Century, another game of Table Talk. We're trying to take a a fun look at church history, which is not easy to do. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when you say don't go away, is that law and or gospel? Well, what do you think? I think it's gospel because you don't want to go away. (laughs) Oh, oh yeah. More gifts to come, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, brother. (laughs) Although although, a natural man makes everyone want to tune out, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Your sinful flesh doesn't want you to listen, so keep it tuned right here to Table Talk Radio. This is Dr. Carl Fikencher, professor at Concordia Theological Seminary. Even though you have no one to blame but yourself, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. Martin Luther says that the most common idol in all of the world is the idol of money. 
that we trust in it, that we fear losing it, that we think that because we have it, we're secure. Here at Table Talk Radio, we have the solution for this idolatry. Click the Donate Now button on our website, and you will support the ongoing efforts of Table Talk Radio to spread this word of God uh, throughout the world. Which century is the game? We're welcome back to Table Talk Radio, by the way. Uh, okay, the way this this game works is uh, we name a uh, event in church history, and the other person has to guess what century it occurred in. And uh, how many points are on the line for each guess of this game? I think this week keep it the same. It's two hundred points for each event, so so it's tied six hundred to six hundred. That's all right though, because the points on Table Talk Radio are like all of Seminarian Gagline's request for funds for Table Talk. They don't matter really. <laughs> so uh, so it's all tied up at <laughs> six hundred to six hundred, uh, and uh, and so now there's another six hundred points on the line here. By the way, I was going to tell you, Pastor Wolfmiller, uh, last week on Table Talk Radio, where I gave away my, my dating tips, and yeah. uh, I, I've gotten a great, great response from all of those. So um, that, that might be a, a, a side a side uh, project of Table Talk Radio is kind of a little, little dating tip service. <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> E-Table Talk Harmony. I, uh, <laughs> I heard that you did receive some emails of people that were praying for you to have a wife. <laughs> I think that's very generous of the listeners to pray such a prayer. I mean, with God, all things are possible. Really. So. <laughs> oh, right. brother. Okay. I had blocked that out of my mind, apparently, from last week. So thanks for reminding me. <laughs> okay. So uh, I have the first church history event. Are you Ready. Ready. The first council of Constantinople. Oh yeah, that was early. I think uh, there was a first, and then there's uh, was there three? Councils yeah, three of, of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Uh, uh, council of Constantinople. I'm going to say the fourth century. Uh, I think it was. Um, I think it was in fact in the year 375. How's that? Uh, would you like to wager more points on the exact date? <laughs> no. Nope, nope. I'm going to stick 200 points for fourth century. Oh, come on. Live a little. Yeah. All right, fine. I'll put some more points on the line here. You tempt me to. Uh, so I'll put I'll put an extra 200 points on the line. I'll put my points double or nothing for the year 375. Okay, you're right. It's the fourth century, but it is 381. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, the history books could be wrong. I wagered 200, so I got nothing for that. All right. 381. Oh, you know, I probably should have known that. Uh, it was the it was a council of constant the first council of Constantinople which really uh added the third article to the Nicene Creed. So the so the in the Nicene the Creed of Nicaea in 325, um really the it was I believe in the Holy Spirit and that was that was it. Uh, it's the council of Constantinople that adds the whole uh um, the Lord and Giver of Life, who proceeded from the Father, uh, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, etc., etc. All most of that was added then in the Council of Constantinople, and then the Filioque from he, the, the Holy Spirit proceeded from the Father and the Son was added later. So, um, so we really, when we confess the Nicene Creed on Sunday mornings, we confess the Nicaeo-Constantinopolitan Creed with the Filioque. 
but it just takes too long to say that. Now, um, is there anything else you want to tell me about that? Because I have my church history oral test next week, and that could be one of <laughs> one of the ten cards that could be drawn. And I need to speak for ten minutes on it. So, do uh, you have eight minutes worth of something else to tell me about that? Nope. No, Uh-oh. that's all. I am in I've big. I've told you everything trouble. I know. I, I, <laughs> that's right, though. Uh, fourth century. Hey, who right. was it? It was um, the Athanasius was the big actor there, wasn't he? In the Council of Constantinople, um, I think he was the guy that was uh, uh, that was pulling the strings. That was doing a lot of the theological work, if I remember right. I've got some studying so to do, I, so I'm not going to affirm that. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you had me. All right, I've got you with this first one. So I'm still at 600 points. That's all right. You're not going to get this right. Uh, the birth of Manny the Persian. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, all right. I'll tell you about a little bit more about him. To yeah, give you I do. A, a chance. Manny was the founder of, uh, and I don't know how to say this, Manichaeism or Manichaeism. I, I don't. I don't know. An ancient Gnostic religion that was once widespread but now extinct. He was born in uh, an Iranian, a parent a parentage located in modern day Iraq part of the Persian Empire during Manny's life, um, etc. His father, Fatig, was from Hamadan in present-day Iran. His mother, Maryam, was of the family... Oh, this doesn't matter. You don't know. Although Manny's original <laughs> writings have been lost, portions are preserved in Egyptian, uh, Coptic, and later Chinese. Manichaean writings uh, are also extant. Well, um... When you said Manny, I was thinking Ice Age, like, you know, the big woolly mammoth on Ice Age. <laughs> but I think that might be too early. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A little um, bit. So I'm going to guess the second century. Well, that's close. The third century. Oh, he was born on. right around the year 210. Come on. What do you mean, come on? Only you, 10 years off. You had like a 50-50 chance. <laughs> Okay, well, no points for me, so we're still tied at 600. Are you ready for your next one, then? Uh, Sure. (laughs) Okay, this one is uh, the century in which da Vinci paints the Mona Lisa. Uh Aha. I like that you picked religious and theological topics. Well, da Vinci uh, is the one, as you know, um, had a big influence on the church. Haven't you read the da Vinci Code? I unfortunately have. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was the carrier of the secret gnosis. Um, So that's right. You know, that's right around uh, the birth of Luther, I think. So I'm going to say 15th century, late 1400s. I'm sorry. That is incorrect. What? When was it? It's actually in 1503. So that would be the 16th century. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Did he? He probably painted the Sistine Chapel and stuff. And in, in like, I see you pick ones right on the border. So that <laughs> that is a dirty trick, radio clown. Giggling. Well, this this is just two years before Luther is caught in the thunderstorm, uh, <laughs> and prays to Saint Anne. Yeah, that's so. If you if uh, all of our if we have a bunch of art history listeners out there, which I'm sure we do. Uh, but they don't know much about the Reformation timeline. This will help you put things in perspective. Da Vinci is right around the time of Luther. Maybe maybe you should phrase oh. it. Uh, uh, is your Hello? phone ringing? We're on the air. Hello. Uh, should we take a call? Take a caller here? <laughs> you going to answer it? All right. No. Carrie's got it. No problem. Uh, okay. Uh, maybe maybe instead of saying if we have any art, art what did you say? Uh, artists? Art listeners? history listeners. Art history. Maybe you should just say if we have any listeners. <laughs> yeah. Period. I think our chance of having a listener is about as good as having an art history major listening. 
All right. Uh, my turn then, right? Yes. Okay. Are you ready? Today's ready. Uh, questions, by the way, are brought to you from Manny from Persia. Uh, because here's your second event to name that century. St. Augustine converts from Manichaeanism or Manichaeanism, however you say it. I should probably know how to pronounce that. Why don't I know how to pronounce that word? So St. Augustine converts. Hmm. I'm going to guess. See, last one was the third century. But I'm... uh, I'm thinking either third or fourth. You've got to be alive to convert. That's true. (laughs) Okay, fourth century. (laughs) Fourth century. That's right. You are right. The year is 387. Apparently, six years after the uh, first council of Constantinople. So so now, see, this Manichaeanism is... When we say Gnosticism, this is really what we're talking about, this Manichaeanism, that Manny had two sources, a good, a source of good and a source of evil, two gods, really, and they were competing against each other. Uh, and so it's an early kind of Gnostic cult without all of the other cosmology that, like, the Valentinian Gnostics and these guys had. Um, so, so you have this idea that there's two sources, and Augustine says this. He he talks about it. In fact, we know a lot about Manichaeanism or Manichaeism. Uh, maybe we should find that out and edit out every time I say it wrong. <laughs> we, uh, he finds out about, uh, and he, we find out a lot about him about it from his confessions. He writes about it. Here, here's what he here's a little bit from. This is Book Five, Section Ten of his of Augustine's Confessions. He tells about it. He says. I still thought that it was not we who sinned, but some other nature that sins within us. It flattered my pride to think that I incurred no guilt, and when I did wrong, not to confess it. I preferred to excuse myself and blame this unknown thing which was in me, but not part of me. The truth, of course, that it was all my own self, my own impiety, had divided me against myself. My sin was all the more incurable, because I did not think myself a sinner. So the Manichaeans had this idea that sin was a... a, its own object, its own reality that dwelled in us, uh, and the source of sin was this evil god. So there you go. Very good. You got that right, by the way. So I'm, am I winning? Yes, barely. <laughs> okay, well, I think... Uh, I'm sure the points don't matter, though. I don't know. They might start mattering now. <laughs> hey, um, I think one of one of our listeners was impressed by your ability to just... Uh, be able to talk on whatever subject because you never know what you're going to get hit with on Table Talk Radio, and, and it is right, quite true. impressive. That you're, I'm stretching you here, though. I'm anxious to see if you have some information about this. You ready? <laughs> All right, ready. The death of Joan of Arc. Oh, I yeah, I don't know anything about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, Joan of Arc. Okay, she was French, medieval. Uh, I don't even know what controversy she got embroiled in that got her burned in the stake. I'm going to say, though, um, that it was in the uh, 1300s, so I'm going to guess, just guess on this, the fourth century, 14th century. Actually, it's the f- uh, 15th century in 1431. 1431, there you go. Now I was hoping you know I something because I don't know anything about her. No, I don't even know anything about Joan of Arc. All right, well, that's your homework. <laughs> All right. There All right, uh, we're about out of time. Let's tell you what. Let's uh, go, go to our break now. We'll come back, finish up with Century, and head right into contemporary or traditional. So stay tuned My for favorite. more Table Talk Radio. We're going to play Pastor Wolfner's favorite game right after this break.
Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Uh, we're finishing up this game, Which Century, and then we're going to play Contemporary or Traditional. We're not going to get to this game, Text Message Theology, which is really fun, where we text message theology questions to this, I don't know what you call it. It's kind of a web search thing, but you can do it over text message. And I asked them, who is better, Brian or Evan? Unfortunately, <laughs> nice. they responded saying that this service likes both of them the same. <laughs> Which I think is a lame what? answer. They obviously don't Talk know. They obviously don't listen answer. to Table Talk Radio, so they know the answer is certainly Evan. Oh yeah, the radio clown. That that sounds like the answer that the that the judges always give on Iron Preacher. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> six hundred to six hundred is the score, however. So maybe there's something to that. Six hundred to six hundred. Oh really? I thought no. You got one right, didn't you? Oh, I, yeah, you got St. Augustine right. So you got 800, I 800 that to 600. One. I missed that one. So uh, I am in the lead. So Evan is better. <laughs> for a couple minutes anyways. Wait a, like Peter, who alone had the keys for about three days. Wait a minute. It's, it's my turn again. So I'm going to get more points here. Well, yeah. You might actually get this one. All right. Ready? <laughs> Thanks for the confidence. Name the century. <laughs> <laughs> this, one's, this one's obvious enough. You might get it. <laughs> Hannah, my eight-year-old, got this one right, so I haven't even had a chance here. Oh, the Romanists, that's the Roman Catholic uh, opponents of the, of the Reformation, officially accuse the Lutheran doctrine of being Manichaean or Manichaean, whatever. So the day, the century that they officially accuse Lutheran doctrine of being thus. Now, isn't this very, very interesting? Because they hear Luther talking about law and gospel and... Uh, and the distinction between the two, and they say, ah, dualism. And they accuse the Lutherans of being condemned with the ancient heretic Amenicius. I see. And I, I think this is the 16th century. That's right. In fact, in the confutation to the Augsburg Confession, 1530, they say this very thing in, in opposition to Article 4 on justification. So the Lutherans come out with a strong statement of justification, which is basically straight from Paul, Romans, and Galatians. And here's a little excerpt of the confutation of it. For if anyone should intend to disapprove of the merits that men acquire by the assistance of divine grace, he would agree with the Manichaeans rather than with the Catholic Church. For it is entirely contrary to Holy Scripture to deny that our works are meritorious. Did you hear that? Yeah. Entirely contrary to Holy Scripture to deny that our works are meritorious, so that to come out and say that our works don't merit justification is to, in the eyes of the Catholics who are disagreeing with the Lutherans, is to agree with Manny, the the third century Gnostic, who said there were two sources. That's crazy. Hmm. But interesting also. Yes, that it is. All right, let's swing right in uh, to contemporary or traditional, uh, where the score is Aren't you going to gloat about getting thousand? that right? Pastor Wolf Miller, oh, yeah. a mere 600. What did you say? I, I, I was asking if you were going to gloat about your points. Oh, and I was, I was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the way this, this game works, uh, I, is 1750 the cutoff, Pastor Wolf Miller? 1750 okay. is the cutoff. Yeah, so uh, we, we will read a, a stanza or two of a hymn, and then the other person will try to guess whether this is contemporary or traditional. If it is before 1750, then it is deemed as traditional. And uh, contemporary, if it's after 1750. And why, why 1750, Pastor Wolfmuller? Uh, because it sounds so obnoxious to say <laughs> something written in 1760 is, is, a, tradi- is a contemporary. I, so I just like to be obnoxious like that. Well, I mean, plus this is 1750 is kind of the age of romanticism. 
Uh, it's when the this romantic strain enters into the church. I mean, maybe even a little bit before that, but the hymns become a little bit more subjective and a little bit more internal rather than confessing the objective realities. Uh, so there's some... Uh, there's some something there. Oh, so 1750 is also the year that Bach died. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So by the way, that, that'd be a great reason to play this game. All right. Okay. So uh, so you can go to your pastor and you can say uh, a pastor if he has a bunch of hymns written in 1800. You can say oh, I like the contemporary service we had today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go. Here's here's this. I'll read um, two stanzas for you. Ready? Ready. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thrones compose so rich a crown? Were the, um, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a tribute far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. You know what hymn this is? Uh, thine only thine uh, I can think of it, but I can't think of the name of it. This is When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. When I Survey... Yeah, this has got to be, uh, uh, what you might call it, contemporary. Okay. Yeah, this has got to be, I, this is surely a contemporary hymn. I mean, it's so kind of, um, you can just kind of hear the emotions of it and all of this, uh, yeah, contemporary. I'm I'm throwing my eggs in the contemporary basket here. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's not right. Oh man, are you serious? When I survey the wonders cross, when was it written? 1707. 1707. Maybe we should change the date. You know, oh, it's a po- it was possible to write a, a contemporary hymn before the cutoff date, and it's also possible to write a traditional hymn after the cutoff date. So it's also possible to lose on Table Talk Radio. <laughs> uh, it's a nice it's a nice hymn. It's a contemplative kind of uh, a Lenten hymn. Uh, it's good for that for as we consider the cross and we meditate on the sufferings of Jesus. Uh, throughout the season of Lent and, and, and even Advent and this sort of thing. It's a nice hymn for that. That it is. Um, all right. Brother. Can't believe I lose my own games. <laughs> Where i got to change the rules, apparently. All right, I'll got, I got one here for you. Uh, rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from its guilt and power. Not the, I like the second stanza best. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. That is a great hymn. Um, um, I'm going to guess. I'm actually looking this up right now, but I won't look at the date yet. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm being honest, well, out with it. but I, I want to refer to a specific stanza, but um, I'm going to say this is contemporary. Tis contemporary. You are right again, seminarian Gagline. Evan the Humble. Yeah, and you were the, right. the third stanza is the one that I wanted to read. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. And that's how it is with... with we can't bring anything to Jesus as far as our works. Nothing that, that we have matches up to what God demands. 
And that, I think that's what we were talked about earlier. I and mean, we've been talking kind of about that, that this whole show, um, hopefully in all of our shows, that nothing that we have is worthy in the eyes of God, but it's only what Christ has done for us that clothes us. Uh, his righteousness is upon us. And we see that at, at Holy Baptism. We use that language a lot, being clothed uh, in Christ's righteousness through the waters of Holy Baptism. And that, that's a good language for that. Yeah, right. Then the last line there, foul, I to thy fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. That's particularly, I think this, the, all these words here, uh, nothing in my hand I bring, naked, helpless, foul. Uh, this is, I mean, that's just like a description of the dorm room at the seminary. <laughs> <laughs> now, did you say this is 1776? Oh, boy. 1776, that's, that's, that's right. That's close to the cutoff. That's pretty close. Oh, not that close. It's when our country was born, you know. Uh, the old the United States, so that makes it firmly contemporary. That's right. <laughs> oh, I don't even know how many, how you could have this many points. Twelve hundred points. All right, I better get a couple more hymns here if I got a chance. It is, and only just a couple minutes left, so we'll, we'll go this. Oh, this is a great hymn. This is one of my favorites. I'll just read the first stanza. So you get the title even. Behold, a host arrayed in white, like thousand snow-clad mountains bright, with palms they stand who is this band before the throne of light uh, these are they of glorious fame who from the great affliction came and in the flood of jesus blood are cleansed from guilt and blame now gathered in the holy place their voices they in worship raise their anthems swell where god doth dwell mid mid angel songs of praise Ooh-wee. yeah that's that's a beautiful hymn it's so beautiful, I want to say it's traditional, but I think it was written more recently. I think it was written in the 1800s, 19th century, just from remembering that. So, I, oh, uh, so I'm so i going to say contemporary again. Uh, are you sure? Yes. How many, I'm sure. How many, now how many especially of your 600 sure. points do you want to wager? <laughs> Uh, all or nothing. I'm going to put them all 600 points. Plus, I'm going to even throw in the 200 points that are on the line for this question. So I'm going to put 800 points. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. Okay, that's right. 1760, though. It's not far past the cutoff date. 1760. Beautiful. Behold a host arrayed in white. Talking about the, the saints who are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. This is a picture of all of us and especially our departed loved ones. Uh, beautiful, beautiful hymn. And I really shouldn't have said that because nice now we're out hymn. of time, and that brings you to this week's winner of Table Talk Radio. 1,400 points to 1,200 points. What a come-from-behind victory. <laughs> I love these points. It's okay. I'll edit out later that you lost. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, tune again next week on Table Talk Radio. See you later. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to questions at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.